Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This is the Court Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to Thursday's edition of the programme on what is a gorgeous, gorgeous spring day out there and good to see that the temperatures this afternoon I mean 13 degrees that's not bad that's a nice spring mild day for us at this time of the year so if you can manage to get out for any kind of little bit of fresh air those that can get out and are allowed to do the two kilometre rule exercise uh, and for those of you that are cocooned and the ones that we're looking after and that we're most worried about and the ones we most want to uh, make sure that you're okay try if you can and get out in the garden even if it's only to walk from your front door to your front gate and do that a couple of times because I saw somebody sent a message in to Simon that they did a 20k on their bike in the backyard yesterday so obviously he had an exercise bike did 120k Whoa. Um, so there's there's so many ways that people are exercising indoors it's incredible if you've got access online you're probably well aware of all the different yoga classes and gym classes and exercise classes and even if you're sitting in a chair you can do exercise because even though we're not we can't get out and about as much as we like to or have done normally we still need to stay healthy we still need to stay fit so doing our exercise is very very important and let me start by saying thank you to Joe and Mary uh, Heffernan in Boerboi and I feel quite privileged that because Joe and Mary have sent one of their free on post you know the postcards that have been delivered through your door from on post and they selected myself and John Paul and all of us here at C103 to be the recipient of their postcard and that made me smile this morning when I received it so thank you uh, to Joe and uh, Mary and hope you're both keeping well with a reminder to people if you get those if you've received those postcards already it's like a very large A4 is what it looks like when it arrives you've got to cut it in two there's two postcards uh, in it free to post anywhere in the country and if you are an older person and you're isolating and you're indoors and you're over 70 and you're not coming out if you just put a sign on your window to say I have post the postman postwoman doing their rounds will call to you and will collect the post from you I think that particular service that on post is offering is absolutely terrific and they are delivering your post for you free of charge even if you have a small little package maybe that you want to send on to the grandchildren or to a son or daughter if there's a birthday coming up and you want to send on something or you just want to write a letter or you just want to send on one of these free on post postcards just put a sign in the window this is for the people over 70 but a sign in the window saying I have post and the postman will call to you and they're on their rounds 
and they'll pick up the post for you. It really is it's a wonderful initiative. I mean, the post people are just playing a blinder in the midst of all of this. Along with Cork County Council, I have to say, the service that they've set up is quite uh, incredible and they have the free phone number that's up and running that you can contact if you are in need of uh, any type of help at all and you contact Cork County Council and then they will put you in contact with whoever whatever service is most appropriate or applicable to you or to somebody in your area that's 1-800-805-819 I think that's one of those important numbers that you need to just write down and to keep safe if you have a mobile phone perhaps you could put it into you can actually put it into your phone but just to have it you might need it today you might need it tomorrow but who knows later on in the week you might just have need to call them and they're 8 I think it's 8 to 8 8 in the morning until 8 in the evening 1-800-805-819 now sadly another 14 patients lost their lives uh, yesterday 7 men 7 women They. this was the the press briefing that we get every day from the National Public Health Emergency Team. Ten of the deaths were in the east and four of them down here in the south. Eight eight of the patients were reported as having underlying health conditions, which means six people passed away who didn't have an underlying health condition. There has now been 85 deaths due to COVID-19 in the country and the average age of those deaths was uh, 82. They announced yesterday 212 new confirmed reported cases. That brings the total number of cases in the Republic to 3,447. And then what they do every few days, and I always think this is interesting, they do an analysis of cases over the last number of days. So what they announced yesterday was an analysis of cases up to midday on Monday. And it's now showing that women are just very slightly um, outnumbering men on reported cases. It had been the other way around, but now women just very slightly overtaking men. And this is on the people testing positive. And the average age of the confirmed cases is at 48. That's always, it's always been in and around in the 40s the average age of the people testing positive. And so far in this epidemic, 834 patients have been hospitalised and at the moment we're at 126 have been admitted to ICU. And again, I mentioned this yesterday, that's the important figure, that 126, and that has steadily, steadily, steadily been rising. I wait for the day when that number starts to fall because that's the number where we're going to get the figures for the deaths out of. So we think of that 126 patients in ICU and on ventilators today. Community transmission, this again is on the increase, which was was expected. That's now up to 60% of cases have been, because we now know COVID-19 is in the community. And of course, while that is increasing, the number of cases that are being identified and are linked to travel abroad is falling. That's now at 18%. That will eventually go to zero because there's nobody travelling abroad at the moment. The country is almost on a lockdown. There's been 134 clusters have been uh, identified and the clusters of cases have on average five people confirmed with COVID-19. We're going to be talking about clusters of cases in nursing homes on the programme today because there's t- up to yesterday 24 outbreaks of COVID-19 in 24 nursing homes and there's about 21 I think in in hospitals and all of the other clusters then are family groups 
of uh, people or groups of people who are working together. Now, from this week, contact tracing of all confirmed cases is to cover the period 48 hours before the symptoms first started to appear on the patient because we now know that in the days leading up to the symptoms beginning, the person can still transmit the virus. So up to now, the contact tracing has only been from the day the person started the symptoms, but now they're going to go back two days. And they're also, they're really ramping up contact tracing. They're also now going to expand contact tracing to include people with suspected COVID-19 who are awaiting a test. Up to now, they didn't begin COVID, they didn't believe, they didn't begin contact tracing until the person got a positive result. So anyone now who presents and they say, yeah, we need to give you a test and while they're waiting for the test and while they're waiting for the test results, uh, those people, anyone that's been in contact with them 48 hours before the symptoms began and in the days leading up to uh, to when they went into isolation, they will start contacting them. So you may get a call or a text to say you have been in contact with somebody and then of course you will be told to self-isolate. Now hundreds of home carers are to be redeployed to nursing homes and residential homes and this is obviously to try to plug what is a lot of staffing gaps that are appearing because of outbreaks of coronavirus under new measures that have been agreed between the HSE and the Home and Community Care Island. Carers will be temporarily redeployed from caring from what's been deemed low dependency clients in their homes if that person can be looked after by their family members and perhaps they're already self-isolating, the redeployed carer then will provide support for nursing homes or for higher dependency clients. So they reckon between 750 and 1,000 carers and possibly more if the crisis continue are expected to be redeployed under this agreement. The emergence of 24 clusters of the disease in nursing homes, that has obviously depleted staff in those nursing homes and it's now uh, causing concern of the impact of the other vulnerable clients who and residents who are living there. The HSE will work with people receiving home care and they'll determine who is willing to have their service temporarily suspended. Carers will only be redeployed where this makes sense for the clients and if they have family who can temporarily take over the caring role and then once the COVID-19 crisis abates and people go back to normal work, the the the, the belief is from their conversations with the HSE that the home care will be reinstated for their clients because that was an issue that came up from some care, some some people who contacted us who had elderly people at home who were self-isolating and they didn't feel that comfortable about the home helps coming in and they wanted to temporarily suspend the home helps for the duration of this crisis but they were told by the HSC and the home help coordinators that if they did when they then would look for the home help hours to be put back into the house they'd be put back on a waiting list and people were nervous about doing that so this certainly gives clarity and is good news and there are more than 3,000 people receiving home care that it's believed are self-isolating which is leaving carers unable to perform their normal duties residents of nursing homes and other institutions who get diagnosed with COVID-19 the direction now is they should be kept in the nursing homes if there's no clinical or other advantage to them being moved. This came out yesterday from the, the HSE their chief clinical officer 
He said nursing homes would provide as much care as possible for residents who have tested positive for COVID-19. Normally what happens, the policy is that nursing homes send very sick patients to hospital for treatment. But they're saying that these circumstances are different and they're very unusual and in the context of a pandemic and to try to break the chain of transmission the clear preference now is to provide as much care as possible in that setting and you know try to try to stop the spread of it as well uh, but they reckon it is the best for the patient as well now if there's a need for the patient to go to hospital they're not saying that that everyone inside in a nursing home gets diagnosed with covid-19 that everyone will be refused a hospital bed but if they think that the patient will be better off left in the nursing home then leave them in the nursing home and the big problem and the one i think that most people are worried about and you hear a lot of talk about is delays on testing and delays on on results, global shortages in the supply of materials needed for processing the COVID-19 tests. That's what's adding further delay to the testing process in this country. Now, the shortage has led to some of Ireland's 25 plus testing centres not being able to open due to issues with procurement. They simply can't get enough of the test kits. However, manufacturers of key components used in the testing process are saying it will now be in a position to fulfil outstanding orders in this country. That's because they've sourced new material. 30,213 tests have been carried out to date. Now that seemingly compares very favourable with international standards when you do it per head of a population. But what we are getting calls in about are the people who are still awaiting results. Now the HSE have apologised to those who have been tested some time ago and are still waiting on results. We had people yesterday waiting 10 days and still didn't have their results uh, back and I'm hearing today that some people will be waiting up to two weeks for your test result but there is a global shortage of testing kits and then there's a global shortage of this reagents. We're, getting, we're learning all new words that we've never heard of before and the re- agent is the solution that's needed to actually test the swab that comes in from the uh, patient and obviously we've got an issue with laboratory capacity as well but it's a global, it's a, it's a worldwide global issue so it's not just happening in this country, every single country is scrambling to get their hands in as many tests and there are other countries that are providing a lot more testing than we're even providing in this country. Now there's many countries providing much less tests and the criteria for testing is different in every country. I mean even just in the United Kingdom, they, and I have to say I think it's a bizarre way of testing they will only test somebody who ends up in a hospital setting. So there's a lot of people in the community in the United Kingdom who when they come down with symptoms they're told to go home and self-isolate and again the United Kingdom decide to do it do it differently. They self-isolate for seven days whereas we and the World Health Organisation and all other countries we self-isolate for 14 days but in the United Kingdom they feel seven days uh, is enough. But if anyone who has the symptoms, they're told to go home, they're told to self-isolate for seven days. They will never know for sure if they had COVID-19 or not, which to me seems a bit bizarre. They certainly can't do contact tracing then. I do think the model that we are using here is by far the best model. I know it's causing inconvenience for a lot of people because many people are getting calls to say you have been in contact with somebody who has tested positive for COVID-19, therefore you must self-isolate for 14 days. You may never get COVID-19 
we are the HSE and the Department of Health are erring on the side of caution and this is the way they reckon and it has worked in other countries it's certainly worked in China it's certainly worked in South Korea and it will work and it is work, working to flatten the curve here whereas in the United Kingdom it's very different somebody just goes home for seven days but those people they've been in contact with don't have to self-isolate which just seems seems just a strange very strange way of do, doing it and I was interested to read the results of a survey which was commissioned by the Department of Health this week and it showed very strong support for the emergency measures that the government has put in place. Some 89% of us agree that the social distancing uh, is the right way to go and 94% believe that the restrictions that have been put in place, we're all able to comply with it. They're not that difficult at the end of the day. 85% said they've adapted to the measures and would know what to do if they felt they had symptoms when they were asked. We all know if you have the symptoms, first thing you need to do is self-isolate and then, of course, you ring your GP. One in three are worried about their health. No surprise there. And three in four of us are concerned for family and friends. Two-thirds are now contacting family and friends on the phone or online. We are all keeping more in contact, which I think is probably one of the real pluses that will come out of COVID-19. If you want to contact us, we'd love to hear from you. We've had a call in from Irene in the, on the Mizzen Peninsula saying no water in areas of the Mizzen this morning. We got onto Irish water. They have reported a burst water main. It's mainly affecting Crookhaven and the surrounding areas, but they're out and working on it. And you can expect to have your water back at 1.30, about 1.30pm uh, today. And Frank in, in, in a scheme. Uh, says when he's hearing me talking about the figures and the numbers and we go through the numbers from the day before we normally start the programme uh, with it he says the clusters that we're talking about I think it's 134 clusters now around the country of which 24 are in nursing homes and 21 are hospital uh, clusters and the clusters where five or more people together have uh, have COVID-19 Fimber says why don't they name the towns where these clusters are when they talk about clusters when Dr Tony Houlihan who by the way I see is, is back at his desk fighting fit again well done um, they'll say the clusters you know that there's 30 clusters in the south or there's 14 clusters in, in the east uh, he says why don't they name the areas we could all be living in an area where there is a cluster but the cluster will be contained uh, Fimber in, if, if it's a, in a family it's inside in a house if it's a hospital it's in, it's in the hospital it might be in a ward in the hospital if it's in a nursing home it's you know contained within the nursing home and they've always gone they've always said uh, about not giving a lot of detail either on patients who have been diagnosed with COVID-19 or when patients die, they're adamant that that's for the privacy of the people involved. And just on the people who are waiting on tests, and I can still see calls coming in from people who are very concerned about test uh, results. Uh, the HSE got on to us yesterday because they heard that we were saying for people to ring and check about their test results and they say that that's not the case. If you have a negative result, you will get a test and if it's a positive result, then you will get a phone call. You have to wait, you have to be patient for the results and some of the results now are taking up to two weeks, but don't be panicked by that. In many cases, what is happening is people will get their test results and even if they have tested positive, they will be passed 
the 14 days and they'll be able to go back and lead a normal life and they will have they will have fully recovered uh, from it. Uh, Noreen and Douglas was on to us to say I need to get my blood count done every few months I'm in the over 70 group so I'm cocooning at home I'm on a warfarin tablet if my now someone will understand this because I don't understand it my INR it's obviously the count, is it? If that's high, I need less tablets. And if it's low, I need to take more tablets. I'm wondering, is it safe for me to go out? The HSC gave me an appointment, but I need to go to uh, CUH. Will I be OK going to CUH? Some of my family members are telling me I will, but I'm worried. Could there not be a public health nurse that could do the blood? So could you not have it done in the, the pharmacy? Would that not help people who are cocooning? Uh, Noreen, if you are cocooning, you are allowed to go to medical appointments. So it's quite safe to go to medical appointments. And all, I had a friend of mine who had to go for a hospital appointment yesterday and she said all the checks were in place social distancing people were keeping apart she even said that when she went into the waiting room there were six or seven people waiting and they even had the option do you want to wait in the car until it's your turn if you weren't happy sitting even though everybody was well spaced out so the hospitals really bringing their A game uh, to this so don't be worried about going there and you think you're going to pick up COVID-19 you won't you'll be well looked after and you are allowed uh, we got that we really want to emphasise that and got clarity on that on Monday. You are allowed to leave the home, home this is for the over 70s, for any type of a medical appointment and it doesn't have to be in a two kilometre radius or anything like that. And here's a great message that has come in to us. It's been sent in to us on Facebook from a shop worker and this is something for all of us that are able to get out and are lucky enough to be able to go out and to do our shopping and we don't have to stay inside indoors and not go out at all but when you're going out go out with I suppose a sense of purpose and know what you need I've gone back to the old fashioned way my mother I'm I'm evoking memories of my mother I make a shopping list and I go to the shop with my shopping list because what I normally do is I go and I potter around and I'll do my shop and then I'll come home and say oh I forgot that but sure I can go back out the the next day and you know and I'm trying to limit the amount of time that I go to the shops so I bring shopping lists and it's a great way you don't forget anything and then off you go and then and what and as you're going through your normal life at home when things start to run out or you realise I'm going to need that make a note of it straight away and that when you get to the shop then you're not going to forget it because listen to this from a shop worker just because we are open it doesn't mean we're here for you to spend time browsing around we are designated as an essential service we are not here for you because you have nothing else to do we're not here for you because you feel like getting out of the house for a while we are in a state of emergency in this country this is not a vacation every country customer who walks through our doors puts us the workers at risk. We really don't want to be here but we realise that we are needed. You don't see how many times a day we wash and sanitise our hands to try to keep ourselves safe. You don't see how upset some of my co-workers have been during their break time struggling just to keep their composure. You don't see our spouses, you don't see our family members who worry about us every single minute we are at work or who are our strength when we do manage to get home. We have our jobs to do and we realise the importance of our job to you. The least you can do is come in with a sense of purpose. Get what you need and then get yourselves home please, in and out. Isn't that powerful? Well done to that shop assistant, that shop worker who are doing incredible work and particularly the ones in the supermarkets are just so busy. It's like 
that lead into Christmas. It's like that Christmas Eve shopping day, but they have it every single day. There's just no, there doesn't seem to be any let up from the people heading out and filling up the trolleys and they are working flat out. And that shop assistant is right. They are putting themselves in danger because they've so many people coming in and out of the shops. And if it's a large supermarket, they can have many hundreds of people in and out every day. So go do your shopping. I think that's well put. With a sense of pur- purpose, go to the aisles. You'll know all the aisles in the supermarket. Don't be browsing. Go get what you need and then get yourselves home because we're all told for everybody's safety that's what we need to do. We need to stay at home. One of the really sad elements of this COVID-19 pandemic is the way we are conducting funerals with the government announcing that no more than 10 people should attend at the church or even at the gravesite. Father Tim Hazelwood is like uh, other priests. He's at the cold face of this and uh, he joins me this morning from Killa. Good morning to you, Father Tim. Good morning, Patricia. And and you're welcome. This limiting the number to 10 family members, um, is that very difficult to adhere to in in some circumstances? Um, I suppose the honest answer, uh, straight answer is yes. Um, I suppose to put it in context, I suppose, of all the situations that we find ourselves in, one of the most vulnerable times is the time when we lose someone, a loved one. And it's a time when there's high emotion, you know, a lot of sadness and um, people caring, trying to care for each other. And then you're put in a situation of trying to negotiate uh, numbers like that. It is a terrible situation. Um, and as far as we're losing, everything has been taken from us. Now people, if somebody's in a nursing home or in a hospital, they can't go visit, which adds to the emotion at the time of a funeral. And it's actually putting undertakers and priests in a, a terrible position at the moment. Are you, have you been given guidelines if somebody is dying from COVID-19 and, and for the last rites? Well, we have been given uh, we have been given uh, guidelines, but again, um, it's very difficult again because when you're called to somebody who's dying, um, you know, it's, it's very hard to say. Oh, I can't go in, or you know, stuff know, like that. I know. You and especially with with families who need. Now we'll take precautions, but we've none of this protective gear. We've none of that. And that's where I, like the funeral thing, I, I can't understand. I, I've been listening to Dr. Catherine Motherway, the, the intensive care specialist, and she says that we, sh- we should act as if we have the virus and that others have it also and stay away from them. And the church can be opened up for people to come in. But we don't, the surfaces, we don't know how, you know. What's on the surface? We don't know. Yeah. Like, and, and with a fierce confusion among the clergy as well, because we have two dioceses that have just a blanket said that only at the graveyard, that, that the coffin, that there is no public gathering and that afterwards there would be... So there's, a, no, there's no funeral mass at the no. moment, is there? No. Well, there no. is. At well, there present. is. Is there? Well, you see, this is the confusion, because it, the government says, yeah, you can gather with 10 people, but who's going to tell... I know. A grandfather, maybe, who wants his grandchildren there not yeah. to come. Yeah. And we yeah. are expected to police. And the guards are out if you go up the wood here and kill her and you're being watched. And still that's 
I think that it's that's fierce confusion, and I think. Um, and and there's, the confusion, there's confusion, uh, sorry for interrupting, there's confusion around the country because some bishops have said no funeral masses. And it's, it's, it seems to be an individual choice across diocese how they handle things. Well, that's the way two of the dioceses have, have said that. The Church of Ireland have, uh, all over the country have said that no gatherings, there are no funerals, uh, just uh, a burial. So you have some with that rule and others. And then if you're in a parish where you're very strict and the fellow in the parish next door is lax, do you know? And know. the last thing you want at the time of a funeral is to be laying down rules to families. It's very difficult. Um, yeah, and I read I read a piece on the, the Times during the week where some priests in, not necessarily in, in our neck of the woods, in, in other parts of the country, particularly in rural areas, were coming under a lot of pressure from parishioners to say a mass, particularly a funeral mass. Yeah. You know, she you knew Mammy well, you have to say the mass. And that's unfair on priests. Well, it's very difficult because like the thing that maybe people don't remember is that these would be our friends too. Mm. Yeah. I have a funeral uh, shortly, actually, of a neighbour here, and it's going to be just two or three. His sister is in Dublin, and uh, she's isolated. She can't come. So he's, he's, we're going to say a few prayers in the funeral home. He's been cremated. And later, we'll have a funeral mass. And that's what, because I know even it's, it seems so strange when our death notices have been read out after mm. the news to hear, you know, due to HSE requirements mm. and the funeral mass will be, will be late. I, I'm telling you, and please God, it'll be sooner rather than later, Tim, when this is over. Mm. Priests are going to be, you're going to be extremely busy. Well, it's going to be. Extremely well, busy. Well, I, I think that's, we have a huge loss as well because our life is kind of, is serving the community. And I'm cutting grass now and cutting hedges, you know, and like the loss in the community here at the moment for this man who has died is huge because he was in everything, the GAA and community council and everything, and we can do nothing. And that would have been a huge funeral. Huge funeral. Yeah. Huge. And so it's um, it's just very trying times, you know. It's But I, I really do think that there should be more clarity. And I think the priority has to be that this virus is not passed on. And I think that's the number one priority should be. Yeah, absolutely. And the guidelines should be strict. They are strict in everything else, but there's a vagueness around this that's causing an awful lot of confusion. And And a blanket set of guidelines, Father Tim, for the entire country. Absolutely. Don't muddy the waters by one bishop says you can and one bishop says you can't. Because that means then that when the family comes, you say to them, look, these are the guidelines. Whereas now you're at 10, but your father, let five or six more in. You know, what's the difference between 10 and 15? Or And we're expected to police that. No, no, you can't. Not okay, at all, you, you no. can't. But um, baptisms and weddings, are they, are they all off? All off, yeah. All off, yeah. Yeah. And it's very sad, again, couples who had, you know, all their plans made and yeah. having to negotiate back with hotels and not knowing what's going to happen. It's it's very um, upsetting for... Um, for the couples. Absolutely. And you, and you can't even say, pick a new date, because nobody knows 
how, when it's going to all end and That's when right, our lives yeah. will. Here's a very sad one. Elaine is on saying, what if you have a baby uh, sick in hospital that hasn't been baptised? Would it be possible for a priest to go in and baptise a, a very sick child? Well, again, with, with, with baptism, a nurse, somebody can baptise. Oh, can they? Yeah. So, uh, in danger of death. And, like, there are hospital chaplains who are working. You know, they do incredible work. Yeah, like they're they're going into, and the health service, the, the nurses and doctors are incredible. Yeah, 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 yeah. They 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 are indeed. Um, and then okay, we know masses got suspended, especially at the start of it. Are are, are churches open during no. the day? For, are there, they were at the start. Weren't they, they were at the start, but again. We couldn't guarantee, like the people we had volunteers cleaning the churches. We they're not coming in now. And like I closed the church here, and uh, she killed me now. If I if I I won't mention her name, but I, I met this ninety four year old lady coming out of the church. And the previous day, two ladies in their mid eighties. The very group who are highest risk are the people who are in the churches, mm. opening the handle, going up, lighting candles with the, with the lighter that. I don't know who would have been using it before them. You know, it's too so much of a risk. It was a huge, and like there are, I've read a few articles now of where religious ceremonies and religious places have been the source of where the, the virus has been spread. So, because people are drawn to to yeah, the church. Yeah, you know? I was out for a walk last one day last week. I, I got out on my own for twenty minutes and. I said I'd pop down to the church to light a candle and I think it's the first time ever and it just really struck me mm. as I got to the door of the church and I realised it, it was locked. Locked, yeah. And there was this woman coming against me and I said, is it locked? Mm. And she said, it is, yeah. And we both sort of stood there and it was just one of those moments. Mm. I, I, We were both speechless. I, I didn't even know what to say and it was just with a real heavy heart I plodded home, I lit a candle at home instead. I said, that would kind of make up for it. But we are drawn Absolutely. At times yeah. like 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 this, that it's it's just really unfortunate. But I know I read out of Italy. It's one of the reasons they had to close the church. Too many people were were, were being drawn yeah. uh, to the church. We we had a number of queries in about confessions, um, Father Tim, particularly coming up to Easter, and people worried about confessions, and you know people who like to do yes. maybe a monthly confession and want to do their Easter confessions, all well, gone as well. Well, there is, and there's a kind of there is. Um, if they go online, no, I haven't uh, it verbatim, but there's um, <laughs> there's a dispensation. We'll put it that way yes, for sir. people who would be uh, maybe scrupulous about confession. You know that that obligation isn't there because of the circumstances. Now it's and actually something you said there, I thought was very good about you lighting a candle at home. Like the reality is that I suppose the most basic church of all is the home. Yeah. You know, and that's where. And I think it, it's a great reminder that that's how we, we, we live, church, is in, a, in our own homes. And that's what people are, are having to do, even to listen to Mass on the radio uh, or, or watch it on TV at home. Yeah, and many of the parishes are streaming it online as well, which is, right. which is, which is a lovely, lovely connection. Uh, I hate to even... Sorry, Patricia. That's okay, that's your phone. Okay. Okay. I, I hate to even mention the dirty word of money, but how are parishes coping financially, uh, Father Tim, with no masses? I suppose we're like every organisation taking a hit. You know, it's um, there's nothing coming in, nothing. And an, an interesting fact, you know, and the reality is that 
we don't have offspring or, you know, we're well taken care of, but we're taxed as self-employed. We, we have to fill in uh, the same as any self-employed. But because of the, this new regulation that if, like, our source of income is gone, mm. but it doesn't apply, we, we, we can't source this... Um, the COVID-19 payment? No, because we haven't deserted our jobs. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's ironic, but... Um, oh, there's a total irony in that. There, there really is. Yeah. There, um, re- there really is. So are you... So how are you coping? But sure, cutting grass and, and, and hedge. Well, I try to have a routine. I, I like yourself, go for a walk and stuff. But, but there are still things happening. Like I have this, these prayers now um, later this morning uh, for that man uh, who has passed away. And there's always things and, you know, and, and people ring up. And we have a scheme here in the parish where if anybody is isolated, they have a number to ring. And we have people who volunteered who will either, you know, take, drop some uh, messages or from stuff in the pharmacy or just to chat on the phone. Yeah, and you did, there would be a lot of uh, priests cocooning, wouldn't there? You have a lot yeah. of priests over the age of 70. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so some of the lads now would be covering for the neighbouring parishes that if there were some duty that had to be done, so that's being organised. And hi Trish, says a listener, could you ask Father Tim, what does he think of this situation? Does he think God sent the coronavirus because he's angry with the world? Have you a view on that? I wouldn't think that's the case. I don't think um, my view of the world of, of God wouldn't be like that. I just think that... Um, Humanity and what we're made up of is made up of all these strange things. And sometimes I don't know where this virus came from or how it was created, but maybe it's, maybe it's teaching us a lesson a little bit as well, not to be getting ahead of ourselves and to, to, to maybe come back to what's really important, you know, about our families, our homes, our communities. Um, but sent by God, I don't... You don't believe? No, no I wouldn't speak. No. No. And Heidi says, Morning Patricia, our Lord said, where one or two have gathered, there will I be. Yeah. For myself, well, I'm saying my prayers, well, I'm potting around the house doing the housework. Mm. I speak to him all the time, society. Yes, you don't have to be in, in a church, absolutely. Yeah. So listen, stay safe yourself. Thank you very L- much. Look after yourself and it'll be a very different Easter for sure. Absolutely, this year. yeah. And yeah. one and one we'll never forget, that's yes. for sure. We'll speak right. again, Father Tim. Thanks, very much, Thanks a million. Bye-bye. Mind yourself. Bye. God bless. God bless. He's a lovely band. That is Father Tim Hazelwood, uh, based in uh, Killa. Priests having a tough time of it as well, for sure. 1850 Sadie and John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 Make C103 part of your drive home with up-to-date traffic information and local news, your input in selecting our feel-good song of the day, plus our feel-good story and as many of Cork's greatest hits that we can fit into three hours. Join me, Martina O'Donoghue, every weekday from 4 to 7 on C103. In the next hour, we're going to be chatting with the private nursing home industry. We're particularly worried about these clusters, 24 in total around the country, of COVID-19 patients, uh, residents at nursing homes. We'll discuss that and more afternoons at 11.
The C103 Cork Diary is a free service to help non-profit organisations all over Cork. So, if you're a community group or a charity that's holding a fundraising event or meeting, send us the details at least one week in advance and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email info at c103.ie. The Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. C103. The World Health Organization has now upgraded the coronavirus to a worldwide pandemic. Here are some practical ways to protect yourself. Wash your hands properly and often. Cover your mouth and nose when you cough or sneeze. And dispose of used tissues. Disinfect frequently touched objects. Avoid close contact with people who are unwell. Don't touch your eyes, nose or mouth if your hands are not clean. And please follow travel advice from the Department of Foreign Affairs. This message is supported by Irwin's Pharmacy, Shandon Street, Mayfield and Toker. Always looking after your family. For coronavirus updates and information, stay listening to C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some of your calls and comments coming in on confessions. And this was an issue I raised with Father Tim in the last hour because some people are saying, what about confessions? And will priests say confessions? And I want to go to confession. And with Easter coming up, I want to go to confession. Catholic doctrine, this is from the, the Diocese of Cloyne. Catholic doctrine teaches us if a person cannot get to confession, it is sufficient to confess one's sins to God, seeking forgiveness and with the intention of going when next possible to confession. God forgives the sins and the person is renewed in heart and soul when the opportunity then arises later to go to confession he or she should do so okay that's very clear thank you for that that came in from the uh, Diocese of uh, Cloyne some other comments coming in that we want to deal with Frank thinks that all unemployed teachers should be out helping the healthcare staff with admin etc now the teachers are not unemployed Frank and they will be the first and be a pains to point out they're not unemployed and many of them are working online uh, with their students but there was an announcement yesterday that schools special needs assistance the SNAs they're going to be redeployed to work in community based centres uh, for children with disabilities there's 16,000 SNAs they're going to be asked to make themselves available to free up as many nurses as possible for hospitals and other healthcare settings it's part of the wider temporary reassignment of public sector workers that's going on and they're temporary reassigning them to essential services during the COVID-19 crisis. Now teachers are expected to continue working from a distance so that's where teachers won't come into the fray on this uh, during the school's shutdown but the SNAs they obviously cannot do their jobs remotely because they provide non-educational services and they do it in the classroom supporting the care needs of the child and children with special needs as well as being on standby for community community-based settings, some SNAs will be asked to work remotely with children that they already know. Now that could involve doing scheduled calls or maybe doing video links, obviously taking pressure off parents who are at home with their special needs children and because school is closed many of those are self-isolating as well and they might need a little bit of a backup or support. The Education Minister yesterday said SNAs did fantastic work. They have skills and they have experience which could be a huge benefit as part of the national effort. Although all SNE, SNEs will be eligible for temporary assignment, it's not envisaged that there will be an opportunity for all of the 16,000 SNAs. What is going to happen is all SNAs will be asked to access a web link by April the 7th and they'll be 
asked to fill in a questionnaire and then details will be uploaded for the assignment process and they'll work out the skill set of various SNAs in various areas and see if there's a job that they can do. Is there anything that that they can do in particular to try to free up as many nurses as possible for hospitals and other health care settings? But teachers are to remain frank doing as they are doing. Anne O'Brien is in Bantry and uh, it's her birthday today and her son was on asking us to wish her happy birthday. Happy birthday Anne O'Brien and she is self isolating and she can't see her grandchildren and she can't see her children and I'm sure she's heartbroken on her birthday But and there'll be many many more birthdays that you'll be able to spend with your children and your grandchildren I hope you're having a some kind of a celebration and a special day today and happy golden wedding anniversary to Michael and Jean Stubbs from Rini and Bill Barrett. Goodness me, I wonder how they they are trying to... And no doubt they'll try and celebrate today. And when it's all done and dusted, Michael and Jean, you can have a big celebration because a golden wedding anniversary, 50 years, that's, a, that's quite an achievement. Congratulations to you both. John was on to us. He works in a quarry, which is now being closed down, has been for the last few weeks. But he has noticed that another quarry has remained open. And he wants to know, should that be closed? Or is it just up to individual uh, bosses? Uh, I I didn't see quarry on the list of essential services, but maybe they are doing something that's needed for another essential services because like all of the building construction has stopped, but some building remains going if they're building hospitals, for example, or some kind of settings, medical settings. So maybe there's some link in between what they're doing and an essential service. But I certainly, quarries are not on the list of essential services. John and Carrick Tool is suggesting to people when they're washing washing your hands and trying, we're all trying to keep our houses as clean as possible. Remember, you need to wash the tap as well, particularly because, yeah, I know the first thing I do when I come back home from anything, which is the advice, you go straight and you wash your hands. What's the first thing we do? We turn on the taps. So, so that's good advice from John. Remember to be keeping your taps clean. Richard in Castletown Bear wants to know what's the protocol uh, with people. He says for private boats flying an Irish naval flag and with pro- are private boats allowed to enter ports? And what about self-isolating and do they have to self-isolate? So we got onto the Defence Department who first of all say there's no such thing, Richard, as an Irish naval flag. He said, unless somebody is using the logo, but there is no such flag. He said, maybe people are flying a tricolour and maybe that's what Richard is talking about. The private boats entering the harbour and self-isolation and all of that. We've contacted the Coast Guard because they are the ones monitoring that. And I know somebody else was on about people coming into the country. There was a text in from somebody asking, hi uh, Patricia, question for you. Why are there still people coming from London by via boat ferries uh, I might add British people who are living in London coming in uh, for a week at a time and going back not a bother on them they're on their holidays like what's that all about and there are flights coming in I don't know how many ferries are still coming in there's two flights a day well yesterday and today anyway there's been two flights out of London there's an Aer Lingus flight over and back from London and there's a Ryanair flight to Stansted over and back so people are still coming in and out of the country now it's hugely hugely uh, reduced the, but the National Public Health Emergency Team were asked uh, earlier on this week about closing the Irish Sea and airports to foreign visitors and Dr Houlihan who at the time before he got sick he said such a move was unlikely he said it would negatively impact on the supply chain and he says it would also nev- negatively impact on healthcare workers he said we haven't identified any additional measures with regards to travel but they are 
are continuing to discuss and keep an eye on the measure. Now, the footfall in terms of travel onto the island of Ireland in terms of airports has been greatly reduced. We we still continue to need to see traffic onto the island because it's bringing goods in, it's bringing returning citizens. And from time to time, there's also a need to fly people into the country to provide essential services. Like and one of the examples he used was the repair of essential medical equipment, which is a very specialised skill. We don't have the expertise here. So people find from other countries to do those kind of jobs. So we will never completely close down our airports. There will always be very limited number of flights, but they're bringing in goods and cargo. I mean, look at all those flights that are coming in and out of uh, Dublin Airport from China, 60 in total. So we will never see it we would never shut the country down completely that there'd be no flights or nothing coming in by ferry because goods uh, certainly needs uh, certainly need uh, to uh, come in. And this came in from a North Cork listener. A friend of mine who is a nurse uh, and who was in contact with a patient that has COVID-19. Now she doesn't have symptoms herself but she was tested yesterday. When is she most at risk of passing on COVID-19? Should she be isolated? Are those living in the house with her? Should they be isolated? Should everyone in the house be tested even if they don't have symptoms? Now, now, I, just a couple of questions. I, I don't, why is, why is she being tested? Is it that all HSC nurses are being tested? If that's the case, they're just testing just to make sure that the staff are all okay. If she's been tested, you're saying she doesn't have symptoms. No, it, it would be different if she had symptoms and was being tested that's a very different thing and somebody else was on as well about somebody who's been tested and wondering what should happen okay if somebody is being tested because they have symptoms different now if they're just doing healthcare workers to keep healthcare workers to find out who is likely to have it or, or not it will be different then once she gets diagnosed as positive but if you are awaiting a test result you must self-isolate and self-isolated means you must remain indoors you need to stay in a room they suggest having that room well ven- ventilated you need to use your own towel you don't share your towel with anybody else you must you clean your room every day with a household cleaner you don't go to work you don't share things you don't use public transport you don't invite visitors into the house and if you're with any if anybody else if you live obviously people live in houses with other people you don't spend anything more than 15 minutes with any of the people that you're in the house with you've got to keep in room on your own but that's complete self-isolation for people who are waiting on test results are for people who test positive. But then if you live with somebody who is either waiting on a test result or who has been diagnosed with COVID-19, then you've got to do what's called restrict your movements for at least 14 days. And restricting your movements is kind of similar to what we're all doing at the moment. Uh, but, But there's just a few extra ones if you have been, if you're living with somebody who has who has been infected with uh, COVID-19. All the normal ones that are there at the moment, you don't go to work, you don't use public transport, you don't have visitors uh, to the house. If you are going, you only go to the shop and the pharmacy if it's absolutely necessary. And they actually say on people who are restricting their movements because they're living with somebody with COVID-19, they're even saying maybe get your groceries online or get family or friends to drop them off. You're told to keep well away from older people or anyone with a long-term medical uh, condition. You can still go outside for exercise. Two kilometre rule, obviously, of your house is still in there. And you need to keep two metres away from other people. And then obviously, if you develop the symptoms, you need to self-isolate. So there is there's a difference between total self-isolation and restriction of movements. But I'm assuming to the North Cork listener, who obviously is sharing the house 
with this nurse friend that um, it's just all the nurses, I imagine, probably if they are dealing with COVID-19 patients. I'm, I'm glad to hear if that is going on because there has been a huge need to test all of our nurses and test our doctors to keep them as safe as possible so, and also so that they could continue to work that's the important part, that they are healthy and safe. That's why they need their PPE equipment and that they continue to work on the wards. When I mentioned the um, post collecting the post, a listener says, does the postman or woman collect from houses in very remote areas? What if we don't get post every day? Will they still call? If you put a sign in the window and they don't have letters to, to give to your house, once they're passing, they will see it. Now, if you're in a very remote area and they mightn't pass your door every day, that could be a a bit different. But I know that the postmen and women are just keeping an eye out. If they know that you are one of the vulnerable people or they know that you're self-isolating, they will make contact with you and you can let them know if you think you're going to have have a post. But if you just pop the little sign in, in the window. But unless you're saying that you're in such a remote area that the postman doesn't call at all, if that's the case, ring that free phone number 1800 805 812 that's been set up by Cork County Council because I'm poster involved in that as well and then you give them your address and you can tell the postman to call to you 1-800-805-819 and here is a text in now we've sent an email off to the HSE to see if we can get some clarification for this uh, listener who signs themselves extremely frustrated and anxious. Hi Patricia I'm 14 weeks pregnant with my third baby. I was tested for COVID-19 on the 19th of March and I'm still waiting for my test results. I was due to have my 12 week scan two weeks ago but obviously couldn't attend because I was awaiting my test results and self-isolating. I've rang the HSE helpline and my GP and no one can tell me when I will receive my results. My obstetrician has advised that I cannot have my scan done until I get my test results as anyone who has been tested is treated as though they are positive until they get the results back. All I want is to get my results so that I can have my scan and find out if everything is okay with baby. Yesterday the HSE apologised to people who were waiting 7 to 10 days for results. What about people like me who are waiting even longer than that? Extremely frustrated and an anxious listener. Oh, that's just so heartbreaking. The 19th, and we're up to the 2nd. So you are, you're two weeks. Yeah, I know yesterday I heard that the results were taking as long as two weeks, but you're certainly at the, at the two-week mark. And that scan, that 12-week scan is important too as well. Anyway, what we have done for you, it's the only thing we could think of doing, we've sent an email off to the HSC just to see if they can point us in the direction of anything we can do or if there's anything they can do because they're... There's there's a lot of people very frustrated because they're awaiting on test results. But in your case, there's a particular reason why you need to have that test result ASAP. And the thing, the total irony is if you have, you do test positive for COVID-19, you will be past it. It'll be already gone, but I suppose it will be important for your obstetrician and gynaecologist to know for baby's sake. But please God, let's err on the side of positivity and that it is a negative result. You've certainly gone past the 14 days to self-isolate uh, for sure. We'll see what comes back to us. As I say, we've contacted the HSE on your behalf and we'll keep fingers crossed that we get an answer back for them uh, before the close of the programme. Patricia, do you have any idea when an over 70 will be able to go out for a walk. Bless, I don't. I don't. Certainly not 
for the next, the two weeks kicked in from midnight on Friday. It's up to Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday will be the end of this two week restriction period. We have no way of knowing if they'll extend that. Will they, they won't remove all of the restrictions. They will remove some of the restrictions and you're not on your own. There's a lot of over 70s who really want to get out for a walk. They love going out for a walk. We had a listener yesterday who was asking my advice. Could herself and her hobby go out for a drive? They wouldn't even get out of the car. I had to say no by the letter of the law. It says you need to remain indoors. And can I just say congratulations and well done to all of those over 70s who are just so abiding by the restrictions. And it's hard and it's difficult. And I appreciate just how hard it is to be locked and they almost feel like prisoners in their own homes. Not all of them, but some of them do. And they're desperate to get out, to either go for a drive or go out for a walk and get a bit of fresh air. You can get fresh air if you can get out in the garden, though. Try and do a bit of walking around uh, the garden. Even if it's only from your front door to your gate, up and down, up and down, you will get a bit of exercise. You still get your steps in uh, that way. But my, my heart breaks for you. But well done. Well done for sticking with it. And please stick with it because it's for the benefit of everybody over the age of 70 that all of these restrictions are put in place because we want to keep you hale and hearty and around for many, many more years to come. 1850 John Paul and Sadie taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. Haven Nursing Home in Mallow. They've got vacancies for nurses, healthcare assistants, housekeeping attendants and kitchen staff. An Arctic driver with a full clean licence for bulk milk collection is wanted. That's in the North Cork uh, area. Uh, YPE Global Healthcare. They are recruiting for a pharmacist, medical information roles and occupation health nurse to work in Cork. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. This week, the National Public Health Emergency Team sat down to draft new guidelines for nursing homes after the latest HSC data showed there was 24 clusters of COVID-19 cases in nursing homes in this country. Nursing Homes Ireland Chief Executive Tyg Daly uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Tyg. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and you're welcome to the programme. Thank you. Uh, now, Tyg, we've known since the start of this pandemic that older people are the most vulnerable to this virus. Should your mem- Members have not been issued with guidelines well before this week. Yeah, well, I suppose, look, uh, there's no point in recrimination per se, but you are correct. I mean, as an organisation, Nursing Homes Ireland issued guidance to our own members on the, on the 30th of January, would you believe, in, when it was called coronavirus. And on the 6th of March, we actually issued guidance in, in respect of visitor restrictions. And, you know, looking back again, uh, at that time, we got some um, criticism for that move. But we were very clear, and I'm still very clear, that as you say, given the vulnerability of older people in nursing homes, uh, that we had to take those steps. But yes, I suppose the, the, the uh, escalation, if you like, and the, the support of the sector, uh, albeit a little bit late, is, is, is very welcome. So what's been agreed this week and will it make a difference? Yeah, well, look, I suppose what's been agreed is something many of the items we're doing already. Uh, but what it has now is it has ministerial and it has the National Public Health Emergency Teams imprimatur, if you like. Um, so, like, the nursing home sector uh, 
you and I know from going back, uh, we spoke on many occasions, many fantastic facilities around Cork uh, providing high-quality care. And at this stage, it gives me an opportunity to say a big, big thank you to the staff uh, who are in and out uh, of nursing homes. But in effect, we'd be very strong on infection control, you know, winter vomiting uh, and flu would be a, an annual occurrence in nursing homes. But clearly, we have to enhance those measures. Uh, the other element uh, that we're very clear on is the, I suppose, enhanced support of the, of the HSE uh, because, again, you will have known from our media pronouncements, we are very concerned uh, at the fact that the HSE were still recruiting staff and in some cases uh, poaching, if I may use that phrase, uh, staff from the nursing home sector. So we have a commitment now that, as I said uh, over the last couple of days, uh, the Ireland on call is, is, is that. It's Ireland on call. It's not, it's not HSE on call. Uh, so we have in all HSE regions now what they call an area crisis management team. Uh, and in some cases, uh, there would be uh, teams of last resort as well in terms of individuals uh, you know, supporting the sector and supporting the, the residents. Uh, because, the I, because I assume you also would be losing staff, uh, Tyg, to self-isolation. Well, and that's the big issue, and I suppose the two practical issues, really, which we've really got commitment on in the last couple of days is the whole area of PPE and testing. And you're right. I mean, the staffing issue, there's a number of elements to it. There's the staff numbers, obviously, in terms of pure people, uh, but there's also the safety and security of staff and residents. So we've had huge, huge difficulties with, with PPE, and, I mean, that's well documented, uh, but it's still a challenge for us. And I know from talking to members right across the country, it still hasn't been resolved. But uh, we have a clear commitment now uh, from the HSE and from the department that PPE will be provided. Now, what we asked for was a three-day supply so that if there was an outbreak in any given home, that people would be, would be prepared straight away. Um, and the other issue is, is, as you said, is the issue of testing and of staff, because we have, in some cases, 12 and 15 percent of staff who are uh, showing maybe some symptoms, uh, but are waiting a test. Um, and in self-isolation. Uh, if they're waiting, some cases, 10, 12 days for a test and a test result, you know, that means that they're not at the front line, not doing what they want to do, and not doing what they do best, which is basically uh, supporting supporting older people. So we have commitments on that, but again... There uh, has we, to be just on that, because that's, that's across the whole sector, n- nurses, doctors, Garda Shikona, the fire service, the ambulance service. We need to develop some kind of a fast track, don't we, for the frontline services? We do, absolutely. And, and that commitment has come um, from, from the, the HSE is the whole reprioritisation of, of healthcare workers. Because if, if, if we don't have the staff, then, you know, the system will, will crumble. And I'm, not, uh, I'm, I'm normally a glass half full merchant, I can assure you, in, in, in this business. But uh, realistically, uh, and we impressed that on the minister. And I think the minister got it. Um, they are working might and main and working flat out to do it. But if we don't get that element of it right, then we are really in, in, a, in, in, in a bad way because uh, the staff are critical uh, to providing care. And, and if you have staff members out for a long period, and that raises unnecessary anxiety as well. Uh, because staff are worried, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, and families are worried. And it also means that if, if you haven't a test result back, that you are having to wear PPE when maybe if it wasn't a confirmed case, you mightn't have to use PPE. So it's in, in an appropriate use in some occasions That's true. Of, That's true. of PPE. And, and if there is an outbreak of COVID-19 and if there's a cluster in, mm. in a nursing home, do all of the staff get tested? Uh, at the moment, no. Um, I suppose what we're doing is, again, and uh, we have, I suppose, in the, in the private sector, uh, given that we have, you know, single ensuite rooms in the main, uh, what, what members are doing is isolating the resident. 
and maybe isolating those staff who are working with that particular resident who was either awaiting uh, um, a test result or indeed tested positive. So we're trying to, I suppose, uh, if you like, look at rooms maybe at the end of a corridor or maybe in a particular wing or in a particular section of the home so that we can, uh, in effect, create an isolation, either an isolation area, an isolation room, or indeed an isolation wing. Because, and then, you know, you may have maybe using a side entrance, for example, of a nursing home, uh, so that people can get in and out and, and try and, I suppose, um, stop the contagion across the wider, across the wider home. Uh, are you upset to see so many clusters of COVID-19 in nursing home settings? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but I think as well, though, you know, for your listeners' point of view, uh, I'd say two things. One is that, you know, uh, 23, now I think, are and rising, unfortunately. Uh, you know, as a percentage of the total number of nursing homes, it's still a relatively small number. You know, I think about 80% of the hospitals now would have a cluster of... of um, of COVID residents in their homes. I think there's 21 or something clusters in in hospitals. Out of of 29 hospitals. So there's 20, maybe 24 in in nursing homes out of 560. Mm. Uh, Now, as I say, as we said at the outset, given the the, the complexity and the, I suppose, the vulnerability of of nursing home residents, it's obviously very, very serious. Um, But I'd say say that in the first instance. And the other thing I'd say to people is that, you know, this is not always fatal. And, um, I think people need to retain hope uh, and be assured that I know from my own members in the last number of days with, with the excellent care provided by, by nursing staff and care staff, people who have tested COVID positive have actually returned and made a full recovery. Yeah. Um, so I think that's important as well because, you know, when we hear the stories from Spain and Italy, it is very much, it is upsetting. You know, there's no, there's no, there's no way of dressing it up. Uh, but, I, I, you know, I do want to say to your listeners and to people who have family in nursing homes that, that our members and, and with the support of the HSE and government, we'll do everything in our power uh, to ensure the safety of welfare, safety and welfare of both residents and staff. Um, and how are uh, residents and the staff coping, particularly with the no visitor uh, rule, yes. uh, Tig? As you say, in fairness to your industry, you were very quick off the mark uh, to restrict visitors, but we're now gone over a month. Yes. That's very difficult, isn't it, for some residents? It is, absolutely. And look, it, it didn't give us as an organisation or indeed our members any, any pleasure one whatsoever to be announcing those restrictions. But they were done uh, in the best interest of, of residents and staff safety. But I would say to your listeners as well, though, is that like the, the, the staff and the owners and managers of nursing homes, they would consider the residents as family. Uh, so in a unique way, there, there's a community bond within a nursing home. Uh, the family, you know, the staff are in and out every day. Uh, they're trying to keep their spirits up. You know, I've seen some very interesting Facebook and I've seen some videos from nursing homes where people are saying, you know, um, that they are managing. Look, it is challenging, there's no doubt about it, but we're also using, I suppose, in the area of, tech, in the area of technology, in terms of Facebook and in terms of FaceTime and Skype. You know, people can still remain, even though, as, as, as we say, we're, we're, not, we're, we're not together, we're connected. Um, and I would say to, to people listening this morning, particularly children, uh, we launched a, a programme last week called Comfort Words, so if children are at home and if they wish to write a letter, um, I, I know I haven't received a letter in a long time. The last letter I received had a had a, a bill inside it, unfortunately. Um, but I'd be saying to people, write a letter, uh, maybe set down your thoughts and, and uh, write it into the resident in your local nursing home uh, to keep connected with, 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 with residents. So, you know, we're, we're working very hard and the staff are working very hard to keep the, the spirits up. Um, 
because this could go on for a while, unfortunately. Um, but uh, by the same token, we do need community support to be able to do that as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, listen, uh, Tyke, stay safe and, you, and, uh, you too, and uh, we'll talk soon. Uh, bye bye. Thanks okay, for that. That care. is uh, Tyke uh, Daly, who is uh, Chief Executive of Nursing Homes Ireland. And actually, I saw Olivia Kelleher on the, the paper today uh, writing about a golden wedding anniversary uh, that couldn't be celebrated in the normal sense of the word. It's the McCarthy's, Dennis McCarthy and his wife Anne they, it was their 50th wedding anniversary yesterday wasn't able to give her a hug, wasn't able to give her a kiss so instead he went outside the window of her room at the Fairfield Care Facility in League and he serenaded her through the window he sang Van Morrison's uh, Brown Eyed Girl and there's a gorgeous picture of in the papers uh, today it's just yeah, the lengths people are going to and listen uh, to Dennis and to Anne you know congratulations 50 years of marriage it's, it's incredible and uh, when all of this is passed there will be a big party no doubt for all of the family 1850 Sadie and John Paul are taking your calls you can text our uh, WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and my thanks to one of the great post men uh, post persons uh, listening to the programmes uh, and when I was talking about the lady who obviously lives in a very rural area and was wondering, very isolated, how will I get my post collected? Will the postman know to call to me? And this postman says, Hi Patricia, if a person has a letter to post or a parcel and they want the, or they just want the postman to call to help with something else, they should contact their local delivery office, explain their circumstances, explain exactly where they are and the management will inform their local post man and they'll call to the house the following day uh, and they'll call out to see them. So thank you for that and thank you for that clarity. I was directing them towards the Cork County Council free phone number but if you contact your local delivery office to anyone who's cocooning and you've got post to collect and you don't live in an area where the postman drives by your door and is able to see the sign to say I have post if you let them know where you are they'll pick it up from you and and come out and sort you out and that's free of charge they're delivering the post letters, parcels, postcards and they're doing it free of charge and can I say hi to Laura who is working from home in Killer, working very hard I'm told uh, today along with uh, David I hope you're having a good day Just spotted and thank you to Michael in Castledown Bear for the update on this the latest figures coming in from the Spanish Health Authorities uh, confirming their death toll for the last 24 hours 950 deaths in the last 24 hours every single day Spain seems to be setting a new record on the number of people who have passed away that's an incredible figure and that's in one 24 hour period Sadie and John Paul taking your calls 1850 going to go to Formoy Guard the station for this week's Crime File where Sergeant John Kelly uh, joins me uh, good morning to you John Good morning. Uh, and, and, and you're welcome to the programme. I have to say, and we're getting a lot of calls in from people, uh, the Gardaí, you're playing a blinder. You're out and about in the community. There's a lot of visibility and, and you're helping people. It's, I suppose it's nothing to, we're doing the best we can. It's nothing to what our colleagues in the HSE are doing. You know, as against the doctors, the nurses and the frontline staff. I mean, what they are doing, I mean, what we are doing pales into the insignificance by comparison with what they are doing, but we're just doing the best we can to, to help out uh, elderly and vulnerable people in the area, you know. And uh, and I was I was going to mention it anyway um, from the point of view that look, we've worked with community uh, alert and winter in the area there to compile, you, you, you know, 
a list of elderly and vulnerable people in the area, you know, and uh, they've been of great assistance to us in, in that. Um, so, look, we, we'd say to people, you, you know, if they know any elderly or vulnerable people in the area, contact our local station. We can, you know, try and look in and, and see if there's anything they need, you know. And it could be, it, it might be something that they need from, from, from the pharmacies regards, uh, you, you know, medicines, yeah. groceries or anything like that, you know. And to follow the, the advice, you, you know, to cocoon, you know. And, uh, you know, and I have heard, and we will be advising a couple of people that we have heard of, you, you, you know, that unfortunately are of senior years and do not appear to be following the advice, you, you, you know. So, you know, if I could prevail on their friends, their their relations, their neighbours, you know, get them to stay at home, you know, follow the advice that's been given. It's been given on every channel. Um, please, please stay at home, you, you, you know, during the just current medical emergency. You know, yeah, and, and we've uh, been calling out phone numbers, particularly the one for Cork County Council, the free phone number where anyone in the county can ring it and they'll put you in contact with whatever your concerns or your needs are. But I was even, before that was even introduced, I, I mentioned last week uh, to somebody, you know, if you're in a bit of a panic and you're on your own and you have nobody to call, ring your local guard the station. Absolutely, 100%. I could, you couldn't, couldn't say it better. Um, you know, and, and, you know, we are... You, you know, in a position that we will give a call out. Look, if it's obviously to follow the social distancing rules, if it's only away from the window, just for them to, you know, for us to let let them know that we're there. Yeah. If they want anything, you know, let us know. We'll go. We'll collect it. Whatever, you know. And uh, you know, for them to make sure that trusted neighbours and friends, they're the people you you know that you are needing at this time. You know, to emphasise again, keep unexpected callers out. Don't open the door. Use the door chain. You know. Now, uh, apart from what the colleagues in West Cork gave out last week as regards uh, callers there in uh, Tully Lease area, that we haven't got any other uh, calls like that. You know, in the in the in the past week. Thank God. But you know, just for people to use only the services of people that they that they know and trust. You know, and for other neighbours to keep a lookout for friends and neighbours, and obviously uh, adhering to the the proper appropriate physical distancing. Yeah. That, you know, and to, and, and to uh, everyone else, then you know what we what we've been asked to do with stay at home. It isn't it isn't that tough, and sticking to the two kilometre rule and only going to work if it, if it's absolutely essential. And there is a presence. There's a you know there's a lot of this guy. The you 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 are you can be stopped and asked where you're going and what you're doing. You can, and uh, Patricia, and I suppose that brings me on to something that happened, uh, say, say on 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 Tuesday. You know, you know where um, during the COVID nineteen checkpoint, you know uh, that we charged a man and we seized seventy thousand uh, worth of suspected heroin during a checkpoint that we were doing on the M eight motorway. Good find. You know, that's on Tuesday. Yeah. So shor- shortly after midnight, um, Gary from the Formoy district stopped the car. As I said, conducting COVID nineteen checkpoint, passenger in the car was a man in his 30s was searched, was found to be in possession of 70,000 of uh, suspected heroin, which was divided into four large bags. So the drugs seized have been sent for technical analysis. The man was arrested at scene, brought to my guard station, where he was detained under Section 2 of the Criminal Justice Drug Trafficking Act 1996. He's since been charged, you know, and he'll be before the courts at a later date. And as Superintendent John Deasy there in my, you know, and... You, any one of us couldn't have said it better. What he said was, and to quote him, John, these COVID-19 checkpoints on Garda Shikana continues in the phase of engaging, educating and encouraging the public to be compliant with government and the HSE public health measures. Whilst we are doing that, we are also preventing and detecting crime at this challenging time. 
unquote. So basically, just for in case that people think, you know, that at the COVID-19 checkpoints, and there's plenty of them all around the place, mm. in, in, in up and down the Any country, hour of the day know, and night. Any hour of the day and night. Yeah. We're not just telling people to observe by COVID-19, uh, you know, the, the guidelines. You know, we will be stopping and checking as regards for crime and for yeah. uh, everything else as well, you know. Keeping everybody um, safe. And there hasn't been a lot of crime, which is good. There please. hasn't, there hasn't, thank Thankfully, there has not been a lot of crime. You know, um, there was uh, in the last week, I think, one attempted burglary, uh, you, you know, in the area. Um, we had a couple of small thefts. Um, uh, they wouldn't be small to the people concerned, but basically, you know, they weren't burglaries. Um, there was one in Mitchellstown on the Friday night last at 1.30 a.m. There was a six uh, by four trailer stolen from the side of a house. 3.30 a.m. that same night, in Glenmort, at Boharash, Glenmort, there was a number of uh, cast iron ornaments stolen from a garden. Um, uh, you know, of the old type pots and uh, uh, stuff like that. You, you know, that mm. people would have had say seventy or eighty years ago, um, and could be articles that would turn up at a car boot sale very, very easily. You know, uh, cast iron pots, cast iron frying pan. Um, so again, in Mitchellstown, it was a six by four trailer. So, again, if those are offered for sale, please guard it for my 025-82100 or indeed any um, uh, any uh, guard station. Now, there won't be any car boot sales for a while, but, uh, you know... When they start up down, again, yeah. They'll be planted. They'll be planted somewhere and will turn up somewhere and will be offered for sale somewhere, you know. Um, so, Patricia, the main thing is to reassure people, you know, there is not uh, a lot of, uh, of, of crime happening at the moment, but... They need to be very alert to online and to telephone scams, you know, and to not to share personal or financial data. Um, there was one incident during uh, the week of a uh, uh, text, an SMS message to a person in the Fermoy area, um, basically, uh, where it would appear that the UnPost website had been cloned um, and uh, that it may too look like that a parcel had arrived for them. Right, and yeah. there is a lot of online shopping going yeah. on. I mean, online shopping, I think, has gone up seventy percent. Uh, just to hear some figures during the week, but um, that a parcel had arrived for them, there was insufficient postage. There was two euro due in it, mm. allegedly, and that uh, if they followed the link and to input their bank details. Oh God, that's a new one, isn't it? And that's yeah, that, that's one. one you'd fall for because, as you say, so many people are waiting on parcels. So many people are waiting on parcels. So many people as well may not know wh- wh- whether it's DPD is or DHL or on post yeah, or whoever yeah. is, is, is delivering, you know. So, um, and again, this was a, a classic one where they went for the small amount and the small amount uh, could fool somebody, but they didn't fool the men uh, that, that got that particular text. So, uh, again, just anything that you get, any you know, there will be attempts, unfortunately. Uh, fraudsters are unscrupulous people. You know, they will attempt to capitalise on the... Pandemic. Yeah, yeah, they will, of course. So just be aware of that. Okay, uh, John, thank you for that lovely text in from a listener saying, well done, there was a super guard, the presence around the coast last weekend, and that was good, because nobody wanted to repeat what happened the previous weekend. John, we leave it there. We'll talk in the coming weeks. Stay safe. Thanks for joining us. That is uh, Sergeant John Kelly, who joins us from from Moygar, the station. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
And President Michael D. Higgins now joins us with a special message that's been broadcast simultaneously on the independent broadcasters of Ireland's 34 national, multi-city, regional and local radio stations. Knowing how important local media, local radio, community radio stations and local newspapers are to all of our citizens and those in particular who are housebound, I'm availing of this valuable resource to send a message to our citizens. May I send my best wishes to you all as we face together the challenge of responding to the global health emergency, COVID-19. In particular, Sabine and I offer our deepest sympathies to those who have been bereaved in recent days and weeks as a result of the pandemic. To those of you too who have loved ones in intensive care or who are waiting for results of a test, we offer our solidarity. The pain of losing a loved one to this cruel disease has been compounded for so many by the inability of friends and family to offer consolation and support in the way we usually would. The shake of a hand, a sympathetic touch, a comforting embrace, even our physical presence for those few days following a sudden loss are not available to us for the very good reason that we are all involved in slowing and overcoming the virus. To all of those I've mentioned, may I say, while Sabine and I cannot share your grief, please know that we are with you in thought and in spirit, and that we are thinking of you especially at this most difficult time. May I take this opportunity again to express my deep gratitude, Maruktranaheran, on behalf of the Irish people, to our health care workers, GPs, pharmacists and their staff, defence forces and Ungarda Shikona, all of whom are working tirelessly and selflessly to ensure the best care possible is being made available for those affected by the coronavirus and also for the safety of all our citizens. We owe all of you an enormous debt of gratitude. We owe too a debt of gratitude to the many others who are risking their safety in order to ensure the continued delivery of necessary services. Those who work in food production and essential retail, those who continue to care for the vulnerable, and the many others who are making an extraordinary and exemplary contribution to our country at this difficult time. This is a time when each and every one of you has been asked to make temporary but significant changes to our lives so as to enable us to protect as best we can those who are most vulnerable to this virus. Further restrictions were introduced over the weekend and difficult as they are, may I urge you to abide by them for all of our sakes. For some of you, these changes have led to serious financial concern as you face the loss of income or even livelihoods. These are all issues that must be addressed. For others, social distancing and quarantine may have prevented you from being able to attend to sick relatives or to say final farewells to loved ones. My thoughts are with all of you who face such difficult circumstances. This is a global pandemic which challenges us. In recent years, we have become familiar with use of the term globalisation, usually in relation to trade. We are now living through what is the globalisation of a common, shared vulnerability, 
This moment demands much of us as citizens, but I believe that we are discovering within ourselves new capabilities in terms of human decencies, of empathy and compassion. In recent days, so many of you have been giving real practical meaning to such terms as inclusion and equality. This is a time too when all of us can reflect on how best our individual and collective actions can shape the new Ireland that will emerge from this global crisis. At this critical turning point in our history, we are invited to reimagine and reconstruct, drawing on the great spirit of generous citizenship that has thrived, flourished, been given expression in recent weeks. We know it is through that generous compassion and our sense of shared humanity with all those with whom we share this vulnerable planet that we will be enabled to navigate our way forward to a better and more humane world. We may have more dark days ahead of us, but in the midst of the worry and fear that now shade our lives, it is important that we do not lose sight of the opportunity we have today to draw on those great Irish instincts of solidarity, empathy and kindness to allow us to help each other through this ordeal. As we continue on this journey, let us walk in unity, supporting each other carefully and fully, following the advice that we have been given, thus keeping each other safe. Cosson and Ra, the wheel turns. This virus will pass. And when it does, we can show our appreciation by supporting even more what is local. Radio stations, newspapers and the local economy in every way, including retail and services. Goravmila Mahaki is Barbanacht. Snikos, such a gorgeous man. And our thanks to President Michael D. Higgins for taking that time out uh, to talk to all independent broadcasters of um, Ireland. Uh, We wish him and Sabina uh, well and we hope both of them stay safe. That's our own President Michael D. Higgins. And a lovely message in from Mary in Newmarket. Uh, She, uh, like hopefully everybody did, listened to Michael D. Higgins and his message to people all over the country through the independent radio uh, service uh, says, oh Patricia, what a a lovely speech. I stood up and gave him a round of applause. Do you know something? At the end of it, I wanted to do the same thing, only I had to come in off the back of it and say something. I felt like doing this. And it felt like he was in our in our kitchens and in our living rooms just talking to us, didn't he? He's an incredible man. He is just... Uh, we've been very lucky, really, with the presidents we've had of this country. But he's somebody, when his time is up, I think he really is going to be missed. He's a lovely, lovely man. And he just nails it. He always gets it right with his speech and a little bit of poetry at the end and he's a little bit Osquelga. he's just gorgeous he's a lovely lovely man long may he and Sabina continue now some of your commentary coming into us we were talking about nursing homes and Nursing Home Ireland and the HSE now giving the backup and support that Nursing Homes Ireland in fairness have been asking for because they have the most vulnerable of our citizens living with them and under their care Owen says Patricia I appreciate the great work that nursing homes are doing
doing. However, surely the biggest threat to the residents are from the staff. The residents need to be protected from staff bringing the virus into the nursing homes. They may have absolutely no symptoms, but the PPE, the personal protection equipment for the staff, ought to be provided at all times, uh, says Owen. And yes, you would think that that initially, particularly with the clusters that they talk about, the clusters are five and uh, five and over of cases. It can come in and a staff member absolutely mightn't have any symptoms at all and then and then brings it in. But then again, get passed from resident to resident. I mean, the nature of some people in nursing homes, they might be a bit unsteady on their feet. They're grabbing, grab, you know, railings, grab bars uh, and, and, you know, cough etiquette. They might be sneezing and not able to get to a handkerchief in, in time, etc. It can be just a huge, huge issue. And that's it's to try to keep it completely out of nursing homes. And you're right, that's why PPE equipment is so, so important, particularly in a nursing home setting. And someone else says all staff in nursing homes should be tested. These are elderly, vulnerable people that the staff are looking after and, and asked to provide uh, care for. I think it's particularly if when there is an outbreak or if there's even one case of COVID-19, I think those staff should be regularly checked. And the same with the HSE. It's trying to keep it out of our hospitals as well. Remember, it isn't just nursing homes that have these clusters. 21 of our 29 hospitals have clusters of COVID-19 as well. And obviously when patients are very sick, they end up in ICU and they are inside in hospitals. So the staff, all of our staff really need to be looked after. The wonderful Eileen on Bear Island says advice for people like me over the age of 70. If you haven't got a garden, this is where we're talking about people need to keep active. Uh, go up and down if you've got stairs in your house. Great way to do some exercises to go up and down the stairs. If you don't have stairs, then sit on a chair and pedal and swing your arms. Keep positive. Talk to the cat. Talk to the dog. Talk to yourself. Eileen says, I have a spider in the bathroom and I talk to him every morning. No, I'm not going crazy. I'm just glad to be alive, says Eileen, who's out on beautiful uh, Bear Island and she's always brings so much positivity when we have her on the programme. She's self-isolating and she's lucky to be on Beautiful Bear Island. She can, it's such a stunning, stunning place uh, to be. Do you know that the television licence letters are out today, says a listener? Oh, they'd have been computer generated now in fairness. It's at the start of every month. It depends on when your TV licence is up. For example, I pay my television licence in September. I think it's due the end of September, but the start of September, I will get in my notice to say my TV licence is due. So anyone whose TV licence is due at the end of April. Sad news to tell you that's what the postman is bringing uh, bringing you uh, today. Mary in Kildare says, Patricia, hi, I want to pay tribute to our libraries. I received a large box of books to my house yesterday as a very long time member of Formoy Library. I just want to thank all of the staff. They're wonderful, says Mary Collins in Kildare. Thank you for that. And even though libraries are closed, librarians are doing fantastic work behind the scene. And I know a lot of people will ring us, particularly people say who don't have access to the internet and they're looking for information. Librarians are great for that as well. If people have the number of the library, give them a call. The librarians are just fantastic at helping people out. But what a lovely, kind act to do. And obviously, if you're a long time member, Mary, they know you well and they know the kind of books that you like. I don't know if you're into maybe novels, are you into love stories or maybe you're into wild adventures, but they'll know you and they'll know you well. That's a really, really nice, nice 
uh, thing to do. On Post Staff, we're here to help everyone in need on our routes and we're proud to do so. Kind regards, that's from a postman. Thank you for that. And here's one that has come in and there was a similar query about this yesterday. Morning, Patricia. I'm on carer's allowance and I work 10 hours outside of the home and obviously that 10 hours is now gone. Why can't I get the COVID-19 payment of €350 because I'm out of work. I'm actually down €100 a week but I was told I'd lose my carers if I apply for it. Any idea if that is correct or not? Okay, what they say to people who are on other social welfare payments, um, they include carers, your good self, working family parent or one parent family payment and if you have lost your job, your part-time job, you can claim the COVID-19 pandemic unemployment payment however you must have lost your your employment due to the pandemic and obviously this uh, this listener has but what happens then is the COVID-19 pandemic unemployment payment replaces your employment income and it's regarded by the Department of Social Protection as equivalent to employment income. Your underlying social welfare payment will be adjusted to take account of the difference between the COVID-19 payment and your normal employment income. This may take some time and overpayments will be taken from future uh, payments. So yeah, you are entitled to apply and you'll get the difference. You won't get your carer's allowance and 350 on top. They will pay you the difference between what you get and bring you up to the 350 euro. And that's for carers. It's for working family payment and for one parent families if you had part-time work and you have lost it. And just um, we've got a number of calls and there was some texts in about this yesterday today as well from people saying and we'll use an example it's probably the best way to, to, to describe the cause that we're getting if somebody normally in their job maybe they've only a part time job and we heard yesterday for example of a student who only earns 70 euro on a Saturday the job is gone was told to apply for the COVID-19 emergency payment and his mother was thrilled to see he was getting €350 Euro a week as indeed was the student but there are the rules that's what they've put in place anyone who loses their job is entitled to apply for the COVID-19 payment and once you tick all the other boxes you're entitled to €350 Euro. Now there has been a rumour circulating that if somebody normally only gets say €250 Euro, that's what their job pays them and suddenly now their COVID-19 payment has gone up to €350 Euro. A rumour has gone around that when you go back to work later in the year that the Department of Social Welfare or the revenue will come after you and will make you pay back the difference. So we've contacted Citizens Information this morning to find out what is going on and we have been informed that the COVID-19 payment is an emergency payment of €350. It's paid to all all workers, full-time, part-time students, anyone who's lost their job because of the pandemic and you will not be asked to pay any of the money back and that includes people saying oh revenue will take it back through tax they won't this is an emergency payment it's you know please God the the Department of Social Welfare will never have to do it again they will never have to live through a pandemic again but it's a very special payment and it's in place now first payment was made this week and it is in place for the next, for 12 payments for the next 12 weeks. And for the people who who were expecting to get paid on Tuesday and that they didn't, we've checked that out. You have to reapply again. There's about 15,000 applicants that had something wrong with them. They either couldn't work out what the PPS number was, are they the IBAN number they couldn't make out or it was the wrong IBAN number. And you now need to apply online 
so that they can clearly see that all, all the numbers and all the information is right and you go to mygov.ie that's for the people who are expecting a payment and if that's if you're entitled to it because we're also led to believe that some people who weren't entitled to it actually applied which kind of baffles me but anyway um, but then there would be one cohort of people people over the age of 66 applied for it and they weren't entitled to it so I suppose some of those are in that group of, of 15,000 but for many others it was just incorrect information so they need to get the correct information from you so that they can pay you and if you get on to the ASAP you will receive your payment but you won't get it now until next um, Tuesday Okay, a couple of people asking about SNAs. There's a couple of texts in on this, including John in Blackpool says, Patricia, could you just explain again? My daughter is an SNA and she's confused about what she is going to be asked to do. Uh, could you advise us, please? And Eileen says, uh, Patricia, on the SNAs, could we continue to work with the children that we are already helping? It's very unclear what, with the purpose that the circular that has come out. OK, there does seem to be, they haven't given absolute clarity on what people are going to be asked to do. We know that not every SNA, the 16,000 SNAs, not all of them are going to be suitable for redeployment. So what they're saying is that all SNAs will be asked to access a web link by April the 7th. I don't know if that's out yet but we're told it will be in place by the 7th of April and you will go to that web link and you'll answer a questionnaire and then the details will be uploaded onto that web link and then the assignment process will begin from there and then they will decide what you are suitable for, what area you're in, where you live. I mean obviously they're going to if there is a job that they think they can redeploy you to, it will be in your area. They're not going to ask somebody, for example, that there's a job available in Dublin, somebody from Cork has to travel there. I mean, I'm assuming it will literally be in your locality. And there are various jobs they are suggesting. One of them is to try to free up nurses and make them possible. This is to free up nurses that are working, say, in community-based centres for people with disabilities. I mean, I would be thinking along the lines of nurses, the jobs that would be, say, in co Foundation, St. Joseph's, Found- St. Joseph's Foundation in Charleville, um, co-action in West Cork. If there were any nurses working there, the idea would be, could we free up their jobs? And then obviously the positions are available working with children with disabilities. Could some of the SNAs be put in place there, for example? That's just one I'm thinking of. I'm not saying for sure that that's what it is, but that would be my interpretation of it. Now, they are also looking at if there's anything that can be done to support the children with special needs. And it would be the children that you have been working with. Anyway, what you have to do in all of the SNAs, I'm I'm assuming, because they're still getting paid by the department, will be obliged. You'll have to, you won't have any choice. You'll have to fill in this questionnaire, give the details and upload it and then the assignment process will begin from there. That's as much information. If I get more information on that, I certainly will bring it to you. So so do stay tuned. Uh, Hi Patricia, you're a great one-stop shop for COVID-19 information. Listen, we're doing our very very best. We really are are, are trying. Uh, I really hope that that woman who contacted you, that the pregnant lady, 14 weeks pregnant, that she gets her results and that she gets it very soon. Yeah, she just, I think more than anything, bless her heart, she needs to get that 12-week scan. You know, 
and it's so important when you're pregnant you need to get that 12 week scan you need to you know walk out of that hospital door knowing that everything is perfect with baby and you know because we all get panicky don't we when whenever we were pregnant you were worried about it and uh, you just it's just that peace of mind to let her go on and enjoy the rest of her uh, pregnancy so please God she'll get her results soon anyway this listener says I am in self-isolation and I'm in self-isolation since the 17th of March St. Patrick's Day so that's well over two weeks ago now that's nearly three is that three weeks ago today was St. Patrick's Day I'm in one room only I had the swab test on the 19th done in West Cork and I hope to get my results in a few days only because with the help of our medical care and nursing team our GP has tracked down my test I was not given the four digit tracking number at the test centre the day I had my test because of that the HSE Live were unable to help me with my test results we have two very very vulnerable people in our household with medical issues the wait has been very anxious take care and stay safe oh goodness me that is heartbreaking and you're not the first who's contacted us to say that they didn't get this four digit tracking number on the day they went for the test so I think it's worth mentioning that to people if you are going for a test COVID-19 test or a family member is going for a COVID-19 test do not leave the test centre without a four digit tracking number now I don't know do they text it to you do they hand it to you on a piece of paper but it's important you need that tracking number because the, that's the only way you can track your test if as we're hearing from some people, there's an excessive delay on the result. I mean, a three-week delay. And then and then even at this stage, you, you'd be past the self-isolation stage. But I know I can see, because you've got vulnerable people in the house, I suppose it's the reason that you're self, uh, in self-isolation. But you've been in self-isolation for a very, very long time. Bless your heart, you're somebody you, we should have on the programme to ask, how did you while away your time being in self-isolation for three weeks? Hope you're doing OK and hope you get that test result uh, ASAP. And well done to your GP going above and beyond the call of duty in order to get the results for you. Stay safe. Heidi says Patricia, it's not possible to stop ferries coming into this country. These are people who are closing for who are calling for our ports and airports to close. We all need goods and all sorts of other products. Shops need those goods in order to sell them to you. Where do we think the likes of Lidl and Aldi and indeed all of the supermarkets, where do you think their goods come from? Also I spotted on the UK News this morning a professor was looking at China and the fact that all of the Chinese people and particularly in Wuhan are all now coming out after two months isolation where they were indoors. They're all wearing masks. Is that something we need to consider in this country? Do we need to start looking at wearing a mask? And and I know the experts are looking at that and they say if that if the time comes that they feel we all need to be wearing masks, we will wear masks. But as of now, they're saying no. Even though I've noticed when I'm out, there are a lot of people certainly wearing masks. They say for anyone who's got any kind of coughs or colds or any kind of symptoms to wear masks but really at this stage anyone who's got any kind of a cough or a cold should be self-isolating just to make absolutely sure that it isn't COVID-19. Tom says you mentioned quarries earlier I did because somebody messaged that they are working in a quarry and they've been 
temporarily closed but that they had now realised there was another quarry opened and they were wondering why and is it essential service. Tom says some quarries are open because they need to supply farmers with lime and other products for food produce. I did think that if there was a reason why they were backing up another surface they are allowed to remain open. Tom says that's the reason that some quarries are open. Morris has given out about cyclists. He says cyclists are still cycling around rural parts of South East Cork. Shame on them. Get the Gardaí after them. Who do they think they are? Well, Morris, they can be stopped by the Gardaí and asked. You can go out cycling but you've got to be within two kilometres of your house. So are you saying they're from outside the area coming to southeast Cork? And if so, how do you know that? They could be local people. In Once you're in two kilometres of your house, you are allowed to go for a walk or a cycle or a jog. Because someone else was on about the Coca-Cola bicycles earlier. And I know we contacted them. We had a query in yesterday. This was about the Coca-Cola bicycles and why they were still in use. And the listener was thinking, you know, they're spreading germs and why are the bikes still in use? And um, course you can use the Coca-Cola bikes and stay within two kilometres of your home so we got onto them and they say as other users are most probably aware the bike share scheme operates on behalf of the National Transport Authority we're part of public transportation network we will thus continue to operate until otherwise instructed we also believe that riding a bike is a safer way to move around as it limits interactions with other travellers by design um, thank you for that and also remember that people use the Coca-Cola bikes to get to and from work and you're allowed to go to and from work outside of the two kilometre rule and you're also allowed to go outside the two kilometre rule if you want to go shopping and people will be using those bikes as well to go to, to, to do their shopping. So that's the reason that you're seeing bikes out but it is allowed. I was passing Drumahan last night says another texture, and there was children in groups. It was disgraceful. Parents need to know and work out where their children are at all times. 1850 333 103 lines open. The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council supporting businesses supporting communities serving Cork visit corkcoco.ie And all events for Parkinson's awareness week have been cancelled. Instead, you're asked to support them by taking part in a virtual coffee morning that'll be held on Monday week, the 11th of April at 11am. You're invited to raise your cup of coffee or tea, show that you're thinking of the Parkinson's community and upload a photograph to social media. Donations can be made to www.parkinsons.ie forward slash donation. Community groups that are offering help in the area include Canturk Voluntary Group, the Mercy House Support Group. They're delivering essential food, medical and fuel supplies to your home. You can call them at 029-51161. Anyone, anyone needing a helping hand in the Barry Row or Court McSherry area, give Thomas a call 85 85035072. And if you're in McCroom, you can call 08. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Six four one four zero eight oh six or Kinsale at Onya O eight seven nine two four four six one three. This is the Cork Today replay on C one oh three. The Cork School is offering their assistance to those working on the front line during this COVID-19 pandemic. Students and staff at Kinsale Community School, they're manufacturing face masks that they're hoping to begin distributing uh, this week. Uh, joining me is the Principal Fergal McCarthy and in just a moment I'll be speaking with one of the students, uh, Oshin Coyle, but the Principal Fergal uh, joins me from uh, Kinsale Community School. Good afternoon to you Fergal. Good afternoon. And Patricia. come here, congratulations. Thank you very it's much. Just, I swear to God, this country is incredible the way people are coming up with ideas to, to help out it, it, it's amazing now t- explain to me what's involved in the process of making this mask okay well I suppose I'm going to leave the credit where the credit is due in the first instance I got a, a message through a WhatsApp staff group on Monday morning from a colleague of mine Maria Brosnan who uh, heads up the uh, entrepreneurial uh, dimension of our school and um Maria sent out a message to know, do, could we get acetate sheets in a, in a large quantity for Ushin Coyle, who had come across this design for a face mask? Uh, and he was doing it on a 3D printer that he had at home. Now, we have 3D printers in our school as well. So I and I was aware that there was another student, Shane Collins, who had. And the two lads collaborated. They've come up with a really, really good idea, a really good design that we brought um, Dr. Michal Hines into um, quality Assure. Michal Hines was blown away by it and feels that it's really, really resilient, can be used on multiple, um, it's multiple use. Uh, we also have the screens that can be replaced, are replaceable. Um, so where, wherever we're handing them out, we're handing three to four spare screens with them as well. So we went into production on Monday morning. Uh, we're we're doing our level best to try and have 100 available to CUH by Friday evening. We have been giving them out to other people and other uh, healthcare settings in the interim. But I'm incredibly proud of the two lads. We've five printers on the go since Monday. Uh, they actually worked on a programme yesterday so that the printers could run through the night. So they each of the printers produced five in the course of the night because it, it's a slow process. Yeah. You can only get two at a given... It takes two hours to create two. Now they've come up with a newer design this morning again, which means that we, which is a quicker uh, design to manufacture, which we're 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 testing at present, um, and we're 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 I'm really impressed with the lads. But what what I said yesterday was, I said, why don't we just order more printers? Um, because the, the printer we had originally was was in excess of a thousand euros, but. The lads have advised me that there are printers on the market for around 200 euros. So I've ordered 10 of them. uh, And I was speaking to a a member of the Kinsale community yesterday who happens to be in the Lions Club. And I get a phone call last night from the Lions Club to say, we're paying for the... That's brilliant. uh, We're paying for the printers. Because I was just going to say... That's such a phenomenal community response. Who's covering the cost? Well, I was covering the cost from our school's perspective because that's, that's... 
we believe as a community school, you make a community response when the community needs wow. it. So on Saturday morning, actually, when I heard Leo Varadkar's speech on Friday night, I came down and I emptied all of our stock of gloves, um, aprons, um, sanitised aprons that could be used in a, in, in a clinical setting, um, all of our goggles from our science labs. I gave them to uh, the local practices, uh, the local nursing homes, the local hospitals. So, And I see now that other schools are following on from from doing because that. we know PPE, this PPE equipment is in such short supply. Absolutely, and that is no one's fault. This is a pandemic that has hit our shores. It's now we're just really pleased that I have two incredibly bright young men with 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 compassionate hearts who come from really good homes who who want to step up to the plate and provide the society with what society needs. So we're going to cover the costs. But I, I'm really grateful and heartened to, to um, the Lions Club in the Kinsale District Lions Club. And I would appeal to people, wherever you see them collecting, these guys are top notch. They help our school out on so many levels and so many occasions. They never leave people short. They're a, a, a magnificent organisation. OK, stay, stay there and I'll come back to you. But put me on to Owen for Oshin. Uh, I'll Oshin Coy. Please, um, uh, who's the, kind of the brainchild perfect, behind perfect, all of this. Perfect, I'll talk to you in a minute, Fergal. Um, here's uh, Oshin. Coyle, the student. Good morning. Good afternoon, Joshin. Hello, Oshin. Hello. Yes, hello there. Hi, Oshin. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to um, you. Too. And now, firstly, well done. It's your, it's incredible what, what you've done. Talk me through the process of how you came up with the idea for it. So I was browsing uh, 3D printing groups on Facebook and I was seeing a number of designs that were thrown out there. The first design we worked on was a Prusa design. So it was one that uh, was already approved. And we started printing those. They took about two hours each to produce. We have now come across a different design that has also been approved for use. And it only takes an hour to produce. And we're trying to work to get them produced as fast and as quickly as possible. Now, to people who don't maybe fully understand what we're talking about, you this is the, like the plastic visor, isn't it? It isn't, isn't the face mask that goes over somebody's mouth. No. So it would be kind of like... Um, a lawn, do you know the kind of visor you'd wear when you're strimming? It would yeah. be sort of like that. Yeah. So we'd recommend to wear them in tandem with a face mask to ensure a better protection. And you, you pop it on over your, over your head and it's, it fits snugly sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, it fits snugly. So if they kind of bend a small bit, they're a little bit flexible so they uh, fit around your head so they just cover the sides of your face as well. And your principal there, uh, Mr. McCarthy, as you'd know him as Fergal, is saying, I mean, you're, you're producing a lot. I mean, you're, you're, how many a day are you up to now? So we can, um, I say we can produce 20 a day and we're working on getting 100 for CUH, but we're also giving them away as people come to the school, uh, requesting them for pharmacies, nursing homes, etc. And has word got out that Kinsale Community School has these yes, masks? Yes, word has got out in the Kinsale town anyway. Lots of people from the town are walking up to the school, you know, staying in their two kilometre radius. Requesting, can we get them for pharmacies and nursing homes around the facilities and Belgooley and Riverstick and things like that as well. And what class are you in, Oshin? I'm in fifth year now at the moment. Oh, you've done transition year, I've done you? transition year, yeah. Okay. And what's it like being out, of, being out of school? I know, I mean, initially I imagine it was a bit of a novelty, was it, having no school? Well, it was a novelty for the first two or three days, but I suppose the good thing about being out of school is you know you're going back. So you can yeah. enjoy your holidays, but it gets a bit boring after a while when you're just staying at home waiting and waiting for the day you can go back and get back to normality. And are you trying to keep up with schoolwork in that? I am on keeping up with uh, online classes and things like that. Well so done. teachers are sending us work and we submit it to them and they can correct it online. 
And you seem to be a bit of a, an, 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 I won't say not, well, an entrepreneur as well, but certainly an inventor. Long, what's your long-term goal? Have you aims about what you want to do in college, well, etc.? Well, I'm stuck. I like accounting and things like that. So I think you're doing finance, but I'm also thinking of doing electronic engineering as well because I like 3D printers and systems and things like that, just little electronic circuits. I like making those myself at home. Ah, I think that's the route that you should take. Listen, it's fantastic. Your family and your school can be very proud of you. And Shane Collins is helping you out as well, isn't Shane it? Shane Collins is helping me out. He He's in transition year. Yeah. He's not in the room with me at the moment, okay. but I can grab him if you'd like. No, no, just pass on my best wishes uh, to him and put me back on to uh, Mr. McCarthy, your principal there. But listen, yeah. Oshin, uh, well done and, and continue. I'll uh, let you off to way making those masks. Yeah, I'll put you back on to Fergus Thanks McCarthy a million. there now. Thanks Thank you very a million. much. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is uh, Oshin Coyle, the student who, who started it all. Uh, all. Um, God, Fergal, you can be very proud of, of, of Oshin. Great student. Incredible. And, and equally, Shane Collins. I mean, the, the manner in which. The, Shane is in transition year, Ushin in fifth year. They didn't know each other particularly well, I understand, when this project started. They are collaborating in such a fantastic way. It's just a joy to, 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 to witness it. It's also, they're speaking a language that, that, that I don't understand when they're talking <laughs> about, you know, the various, the various programs and the various types of plastic and, um, and so on. So it's, they're, they're, we have a very bright future ahead while we have young people who are that compassionate, yeah. that um, clever, and you know, in, in, in their approach to the use of technology, it's just fantastic. It's it's just amazing. And have the other has the other printers arrived? The other one that you want to buy? No, the, no. We, we, we've ordered them. They're, they're to come from China. Okay. Um, so so they, it'll be four or five days before we'll have them. Um, but it will allow us to then meet. Like Patricia, the, the demands that coming in to us this morning has been incredible. I'm fielding calls and emails from hospitals in Belfast, um, hospitals and, and care settings in Dublin, um, in in Clare, in Limerick. Uh, it's just coming to, at us so, so, and, and, and the, the, so fast, but the, the, um, they're a real cry for help. It's a real plea in, in everybody's voice in respect of wanting these. And we just would love to be able to produce more and we'd be able, love to be able to produce them quicker. That's what got the lads this morning to look at an alternative design that could perhaps be produced more quickly. There's something very painful about hearing you say that you're getting calls from hospitals That's saying right. from all over the country. That's and, right. and, and I know and I would be very slow to criticise the HSE or the Department of Health because they're working flat out and this is a worldwide problem in getting PPE. They're they're doing the best that they can. I mean, those big planes are going out but they're just not bringing in enough. Look, I mean, nobody could have ever foreseen what is happening. It's it's a pandemic um, and it's really difficult for those that are involved in the HSE and each and every one of us should should, should should be so proud and so grateful to them for putting themselves on the front line in respect of this work uh, and if we can help them and keep them safer that's all it is that we're trying to do here. Yeah that's it that's, that's it and you'd obviously I, I'm assuming have students at the school whose parents would be working on the front line Absolutely would that? we yeah. do Absolutely we do Come here, what, what is, well, as a principal what's this is all very strange isn't it? It is you, I mean there are there, look we, we were very lucky coming into this in that we were a Microsoft showcase school. So what that meant was we had staff trained up in collaborative practices for online and distant learning. So our students were able to hit the ground running. Our students were, 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 were very au fait with it as well. So we were hitting the ground running from the off in this. 
okay? Yeah. Um, but then, who would have foreseen that the parents would now be working from home in the main? So the devices that you would have relied upon being available to students, being able to complete their homework and so on, they weren't there because parents now needed those devices. Mammy or daddy needs the la- Mammy or daddy needs the laptop from nine to four. Absolutely. Yeah. No, no, and then you have a situation where parents who are frontline healthcare workers are reliant on the kids that are of the age group that we cater for here. They are obviously they need to mind younger on mm. younger siblings. Yeah. Um, then you have the whole challenge of rural broadband and. Some people having very good connectivity, others having not having good connectivity. So all I can say is people are doing the best they can. I don't mean to... Or, there is no school work that should be creating tension in any home. Okay. Everybody should be doing what they can, when they can. Uh, and that's the, that's, the, that's the mentality that we have brought to bear in this. Because it's unprecedented times. We it, can't even say, well, when the last time this happened, this is what we did. Listen we need to do is we need to be kind to each other we need to look out for each other we need to do the best we can for each other in terms of supporting mental health I mean we're very fortunate here we have James O'Mahony with, with, with Kinsale Youth Support Services great guy who have a brilliant man who has who has brought us um, an access to counselling for kids because people that have had mental health going into this still have mental health issues and and he has through KISS and through Joe Rice they have sourced um counselling services that are available on Skype, that are available on uh, FaceTime, that are available on telephone, that are available by email. Like that type of ingenuity and that type of creativity in response to a crisis is fantastic. Well done. Well done. Will the state exams go ahead? I, I'm, I, I know as much and as little as yourself. <laughs> but you, you, would, you would have to feel for a Leaving Cert student in, 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 in this current crisis because they've worked hard in the main. They're, they have filled out their CAO, they live their dreams, they, they want to aspire to what it is that they've applied for, and you really want to help them. So I, I, I hope that they do, um, but I just don't know how it's, how, how it's going to be organised as, as long as social distancing is in place. It's really, really difficult Very to hard. see it. Um, but they all have to stay focused and stay studying as if everything and, is going that, to and, happen. And, and that's the important advice that needs to come from everybody. That that it, it, it's like running a race. You don't you don't stop until you hit the end line. You don't stop until the final whistle is blown. And in this, you have to keep studying. You have to keep involving yourself in independent learning. You have to make sure that you're taking your rest you have to make sure that you, you, you observe your Easter holidays that are coming up uh, and do a bit and, and your teachers will engage with you online. Teachers are doing a fantastic job out there really seeking to support uh, their students and I know that that's happening all over the country, not just in Kinsale. Okay, and somebody has had, you may be aware of this already, but somebody has messaged in saying, hi, could you let the school know regarding visors and 3D printing? There's a Facebook site with HSE approved dimensions, etc. Um, it also might give a faster output. It's called 3D Printing Ireland. Perfect. 
So if you want to give, yeah, have You're a look at that. Listen, Fergal, thanks a million to you and, and to Oshin and the rest of the gang at the school. Stay safe. That's You're our message good. to everyone. And thank you for everything you're doing in respect of broadcasting to keep everybody safe and keep uh, and keep the, keeping the mood of the nation uplifted, which is very important. Well, with stories like yours to share, it's very easy to do. Well, Fergal, thank you indeed. Thanks a million. Thanks again. Bye-bye. 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 What a great principal. Fergal McCarthy, principal at Kinsale Community School. What a great bunch. Making face masks that will keep our frontline staff safe. 1850-333-103. Lines open. Exile Mark Quidanahir is Farlin. Shae Troer C103 Air Kirkig. Hondanki Sanctuary, Lunaha Illis Karul and Nakale Mala. Agasazotela Kurti Hurted, Agasle Titimung Raw. Terror Hulodi Satin Plucht All in Agaspulla Hassel, Agas Mule in the Torhala. Oskle Hesibli and Nightyagahotau Shacht. Habrishis Kedavila Asel Glakoko. Hoshes Ernashke Hundal Shaham. Agasis Terminados na Hassel Ta in Water or Fudna Tide. To record the Donkey Sanctuary or the Manamundit. Ot Spriul does not help Kurtur. It your old Gazesta. Nocta, quid denaneha is far. Ari Gorkic, C103.